You're listening to the My Happy Mind Conversations podcast, where we talk all about how you can build your child's resilience, self-esteem, and happiness. I'm your host, Laura Earnshaw, the founder of My Happy Mind, and I am totally dedicated to helping you become the best parent or carer that you can be. We're proudly impacting over half a million children now in our programs in schools, nurseries, and homes. And today, I'm going to be sharing some of those tips with you. Let's dive in. Hey, it's so good to be with you again for another episode of My Happy Mind Conversations. And this is a really juicy one for me because it's something that I wish I'd have understood that I've got my own head around sooner. And it's one of those situations where I feel like if someone could have accelerated this part of my own development, I would have paid a lot of money for them to do it because it held me back for so long. So I really hope that in sharing this journey and sharing this story with you today, it's going to help you to reflect and hopefully to to take some action that's going to help your um, journey as well. Because, you know, obviously this podcast is all about helping parents and teachers to become the best versions of themselves that they can be in order to facilitate their child's resilience, self-esteem and happiness. That's why we're here, right? That's what we're all on this crazy mission in life to do is to be the best version of a parent or as a teacher as we can be and part of that work is looking at where you're learning from right where you're getting your information from where you're getting your advice from and what you're putting around yourself as you try to continually develop right what people what context what information are you surrounding yourself with in order to develop on this journey And I think it's something that often we don't consciously look at. I know that I didn't consciously look at this for a long, long time because life's busy, right? We're we're so much jugglers, aren't we, as parents? We're juggling kids, we're juggling admin, we're juggling houses, we're often juggling jobs as well. We're juggling relationships, friendships. There's just so much in our lives. We're just so busy. And because of that, it can be really, really challenging to find the space and the time to really, really stop and think about those things that we are consuming as it relates to the things that we're using and that are shaping our parenting approach or our teaching approach. And so what I want to encourage through this episode is really for us to take a bit of a pause with that and to really look at and consider where are we getting that information from where are we getting our advice from where are we taking our cues from when it comes to raising our children and and teaching you know what are we looking to as expertise or advice when it comes to dealing with maybe confidence wobbles or dealing with challenges with friendships or maybe dealing with resilience where are we looking to get support with that And it's something that's really, really close to my heart because for those of you who've read my book or have heard me speak about my story before, then you'll know that when my child was really, really struggling with all of the above, all of those issues I've just talked through, I was looking for advice in all the wrong places. In fact, I had this belief, right? We talked about beliefs in the last episode. If you've missed that one, definitely go back and check it out. But I had this belief that the school knew what they were doing when it came to these issues in the context of school. I was very much leaning on the education system to help him when it came to the things around confidence with his work and confidence with friendships, right? I thought, well, he's in school for those 
um, experiences mostly, therefore they'll be able to help with those. And, you know, they really couldn't and they really didn't. And I've, I've since learned, and again, I talk about this very much in the book, that this isn't me criticizing teachers. I think that teachers are some of the most amazing people in the world. But what we have to understand about education is that teachers aren't trained in science-backed approaches to building a child's confidence or dealing with separation anxiety or helping with friendship issues, right? There's no universal training around that. There's certainly no universal science-backed training around that. And while some schools are excellent at investing in that, and I commend them, and I think that's fantastic, and I know that there's lots of teachers and head teachers, some of whom might be listening now, who are absolutely on this issue, and I'm not talking about you guys. I'm talking about the system, right? And the system, at least in the UK, is such that even now, even today, a brand new teacher coming through teacher training won't be trained in detail on the science-backed strategies to support these areas. It's not in the curriculum. They might have some mental health training, which might help them to start to identify issues as they arise, but I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the ability to prevent and prepare and be proactive in helping children with these issues before they might get to a point where someone says, we need to do something about this. And so I expected, I thought, I assumed that teachers would be able to help with some of these issues and they really can't and they really didn't in my experience. So that's one place that I was looking for support and advice that I wasn't getting it because they didn't have it. And so what happens in those situations is not that teachers don't address the issue, right? They try and help with the friendship issues. They try and help with the confidence and self-esteem. But here's the challenge. The strategies they use to do that aren't grounded in science. They're not coming from a place of science-backed strategies, research-backed techniques that work, right, that we teach in the programme. They're coming from a place of that teacher or that head teacher's personal experience, what they believe to be the right thing, which is probably based on the advice and the information that they've surrounded themselves with, right? Maybe that's from the way they were parented, or maybe that's from what they've seen another teacher do, or maybe it's from some Instagram post that they've read or some blog that they've read. But none of those things are probably grounded in science or research. None of those things are coming from a place of having learned and researched and studied the strategies that actually work when it comes to building resilience, confidence and self-esteem. And that's really, really scary. But that whole scenario is not just reserved to teachers. It's reserved for anybody that you might be seeking advice from who isn't a true expert in the science about strategies that lead to resilience, self-confidence and self-esteem. So if you're relying on a mate, right, they might be the most gorgeous friend you have in your world. This isn't a criticism of them, but if you're relying on their advice to steer what you're gonna do, to steer what actions you're gonna take, ask yourself the question, where are they getting their advice from? What information or experience are they using to inform their advice? Because what works for their child might not work for yours. So if they're giving you advice that's based on what's worked for their child, that's wonderful and that's great. And I'm really pleased that they found something that's worked. But that doesn't mean it'll work for your child. The chances are your kids are pretty different. And so again, I ask the question, where are we getting our information and our advice from? Is it from science-backed sources, research-backed sources 
that are giving you strategies that will work for any child? Or is it from somebody's opinion, somebody's piece of advice, somebody's perspective? And if it's the latter, if it's from advice, opinion and perspective, then we have to be really clear that that advice, that opinion, that perspective has been shaped by that own person's experience. Maybe how they were raised, maybe what they've read on an Instagram post, maybe a blog or an article that they've seen, but not not necessarily science-backed strategies that work. And the reason I'm so passionate about educating parents and teachers about the science-backed strategies at work, which of course is what we do here at My Happy Mind, is that I've seen firsthand as a mum what can happen when we don't use science-backed strategies, what can happen when we do rely on just perspective or opinion or experience. And whilst this is never the intention of teachers or friends or in-laws or parents, it is never the intention, and I'm convinced of that, that this will be damaging to a child or this won't help a child that can very well be the impact so whilst it will never be the intention of a teacher to do or say something that will help a child or not help a child i should say or will make the field make the child feel worse or make the child feel insignificant or make the child have even less self-esteem that will never be the intention of the teacher that i can guarantee it will also never be the intention of your friend right but it might be the impact. They won't be meaning to give you advice that's not gonna be helpful for your child. Of course they won't, but that might be the impact that it has. Let me give you a couple of examples of how this has played out. For me personally, and for students in my family's program as well, I won't name their names, I'll respect their privacy, but these are the stories that we hear every day. Telling a child that they just need to get on with it when they're distressed right? Maybe the child is worried about a swimming lesson. Maybe they're worried about a test. Maybe they're worried about, I don't know, going down the zip wire at the park, right? Anything that they have fear around or they have worry around, telling them they just need to get on with it is not the right way to deal with that. It's absolutely not. Telling them to be a big boy, big boys don't cry. Telling them that they have to be brave. Telling them things like, look, they're doing it. Any of those things, any of those expressions of comparison or of making a child feel that they should have different feelings to the feelings that they have can be really damaging. Why? Because what you're saying to that child through those words without realizing it is that they're not good enough, that the feelings that they have aren't legitimate and that they should be feeling a different way about it. And if you make a child feel like their feelings are insignificant, what can happen over time is that they stop sharing those feelings with you. Because if they don't get the support that they need in the little things, they're going to start to think that they're not going to get the support that they need with the big things. And while something might seem really small and insignificant to us, like going down the zip wire or doing a spelling test or going swimming, in that moment for that child, it's massive. And actually in that moment for that child, the way they're feeling is totally governed by what's going on in their brain. And if you haven't listened to last week's episode on thoughts, feelings and actions, please go ahead and do so because this will really help you to understand why this is so powerful because the thoughts that they're having about that zip wire or the swimming or the test, 
are causing the feelings that they're having and the feelings are causing their actions. And if we only ever deal with those actions, if we only ever address the fact that they're feeling scared and that's leading them to retract and not want to go down the zip wire or to cry or to feel stressed or whatever it might be, if we don't deal with the thoughts that are creating those feelings and those actions, we're never really helping them. We're just putting a kind of a plaster on on the knee. We're not actually curing the wound on the knee, right? We're dealing with the symptom, not the cause. And so it's really important to understand the science of what's happening in the brain, to understand the science of our thoughts, our feelings and our behaviours so that you can help your child, not only in that one moment, but for the future. You can equip them to be able to cope with challenges, cope with difficult thoughts, cope with difficult moments and give them those strategies and those coping mechanisms so they can become a child who is more resilient, who is more confident and who is more able, right? More able to cope with their with their wobbles and yes you might be thinking okay but that's just one little situation can it really be that damaging well maybe one little situation no but the chances are if you're saying things like that in that situation you're saying things like that in other situations too and again this isn't judging I'm not criticizing anybody I'm just sharing a perspective which is that if we're not using science-backed strategies in our parenting we won't be having the impact that we want to have It's the same in terms of how we look to praise our children. Let's take that as another example, right? You know, I hear people say, and and I've been guilty of this in the past, you should only reward them when, or you should only reward them if, right? And often that when and that if is based around competence. You should only reward them if they do well in their test, or you should only praise them when they've completed the job. Or you should only let them have a treat when they finish their dinner, or you should only let them have a treat when they finish their homework. Right, We link praise and we link reward to outcomes that are based around achieving something, outcomes that are based around competence. Maybe that's how you were raised, right? You can only have your pudding when you finish what's on your plate. Or you can only play on your games when you've finished your homework. Or we can only, we're only going to give you your pocket money if you get 10 out of 10 in your spelling test. Whatever it might be. You can see how we would use that, right, as a system. That's the kind of thing that's been handed down generation after generation. It's the kind of thing that happens in schools, right? You only get a sticker if you do this, or you only get to be star of the week if you do this, or you only get picked for this if you do that. These reward systems that we that we live by, and this isn't just with children, by the way, this happens in organisations too, create this sense of a transaction which is this behavior gets this reward or this outcome gets this reward and so what that starts to tell a child if we're not careful and again I'm using extremes to make the point here but what that can start to tell a child is that you only are worthy of praise and love when you achieve certain outcomes What the science actually tells us is that if we only ever link our praise and our reward to a child getting a specific outcome, that their belief about themselves becomes, I'm only worthy of praise and love when I achieve. That's why some children are devastated when they get 96% on a test. But I didn't get 100, I got 4% wrong. Rather than focusing on the fact that they were determined and they studied so hard and that allowed them to do well. So praise and reward systems in our houses, the language that we use with our children around praise and reward and around their thoughts, 
all of these things are so critical to their self-esteem and confidence. And maybe a friend has said something to you like, oh, well, we've got a marble jar. And every time the child does something good, they get a marble put in their jar. And when they do something wrong, they get a marble taken out. Or maybe your friend says, well, we've got a reward chart at home and here's how we use it. Just make sure that whatever reward system you're using, you're using because you've done the conscious thought and you understand the science around reward and behavior. Not just because some mate told you about them doing it and it working for their child. And I don't say any of this to scare you or to make you feel nervous about what you might be doing. I say it from a place of genuine care that as parents, we seek out the science-backed strategies that work, not the strategies that our mates tell us about that may or may not be working for them, not the strategies that we see school doing and therefore we assume are the right ones because they might not be. So I urge you to read, to research, listen to podcasts, mine and others, and find the information that is grounded in science. Find the strategies that are grounded in research because they're out there. And you know, they're really simple, but they work. So I hope this has given you some food for thought to take that pause, to think about where are you getting your advice from? Where are you getting your information from? And where are you taking that information and that advice and using it with your child and is it science-backed is it research-backed or is it based on perspective and opinion so i will leave you with that thought today i cannot wait to be chatting with you again next week and until then take care thanks so much for joining me for another episode of the my happy mind conversations podcast If you liked what you heard, please leave a review and a comment below and I'll be back next week with more science-backed secrets to building happy and resilient children. Don't forget you can come and follow me at My Happy Mind on Facebook and Instagram. Take care.